0: Hello everyone and welcome back to The Geek Wave. This is the low-budget show. It's the show so low. Guess what? You're not going to believe this. It's the show that is so low. This is unreal. Like, honestly, you're you're not going to believe what I'm about to say. It's the show so low. So low-budgeted that it has no budget. It's The Geek Wave. We have no budget here and that's what we're doing. Great week. We're a one-week away from San Diego Comic-Con, which... I'm hoping is going to be a big enough episode where I can talk about all of the reveals into one big epic episode of this podcast. But if not, eh, we'll talk about it for a bit next week. So, yeah, stay tuned for the next episode being SDCC related. That's going to be fun. But until then, you know, I was on such a kick with the Marvel stuff last week. I was like, how do we talk about the MCU? Well, let's talk about like an offshoot of the MCU that I think was really played up to be something kind of petered out into nothing, and then it's maybe finding its resurgence again. We're going to talk about the Marvel Netflix stuff, and this is one, I I always wanted to talk about this, because I think it's very fascinating, and it's kind of cool. It's very much just, we'll get into it, but like always, before we really jump into our main topic, there's a couple pieces of news I want to talk about here. A lot of it is actually pretty interesting. So first off, we have Julius Ona directing Captain America 4. That's a smart get. You know, I think if you were to do another Captain America, getting the Russos would be the wrong way to do it. I'm glad they're not doing it. I think you need a completely new vision for this completely new feel of the character. I already, you already tell how divisive this is going to be, and that's the sad part about this, is half of the populace is not going to be ready to see what this Captain America could be. The other half is gearing up for what it could be. You already see... Articles from major companies, major like news sources who can't credit Anthony Mackie as Captain America. Even Chris Evans himself has to come onto Twitter and say that Sam Wilson is Captain America. It's frustrating. It's crazy. It's annoying. But this is going to be interesting. Mackie's a great Captain America. I'm very excited to see what he's actually going to get to do. Julius Sona is an interesting get because I I don't think he's the greatest director in the world, but I'm also not going to sit here and tell you he's terrible. There are certain charms to what he's created, certain ideas to what he's done that really hold up into something special. I guess we'll just have to see how this looks. I think doing another Captain America, that makes sense. That's at least a recognizable brand. We'll see what happens though. I wouldn't be surprised if this becomes the opposite of what Black Panther was. I think Black Panther was cele- celebrated by pretty much everybody at large. I could sadly see Captain America 4 becoming something of a topic of debate. And that kind of sucks. If I had to like throw a pitch out there for the next Captain America movie, I think it'd be really cool if Sam fought the Serpent Society. I love those classic villains. I just think if you're going to do another big movie like this, can we at least have some colorful characters and costumes that are distinguishable that you could beat up? That'd be cool. Because we don't need to do Hydra again. He could have his own version of Hydra be the Serpent Society. That could be pretty fun too. So that's exciting. Is it though? Yes, I think it is. I'm still mixed on this. Julius is an interesting director. We'll see how it looks. Mackie's a good get. You've seen the poster release for SDCC with him and Sharon that's kind of cool. I'm on board to see what that's going to look like. And sticking into the MCU, we got an interesting kind of theory being thrown around. The name Alden Ehrenreich is one that has been up in debate for a long time. As if, is he going to find the next big step? He's had a couple opportunities. Brave New World was an interesting idea. I think it was executed weirdly, and I don't think the audience it's going for really cared about that, but he was pretty interesting in that. But his name is being thrown around for the villain in Ironheart, which, yeah, I could see that. There's something to be said about that. I like the idea of him getting a role like that. There is speculation on who he could play. There's ideas and leaks being put about that maybe the Hood's going to be the villain. Honestly, I'd rather he be the Hood than, like, the son of Obadiah Stain, which I think is Isaiah Stain or something like that. I don't want to see that. That makes it too Tony Stark, and I don't like that idea. But if it's just like some guy trying to circulate power through magic and this woman built from technology kicks his ass, that's a little more cool. I think Alden could really toy the line between being the loser of the supervillain community, like the guy vying for the throne who never actually gets it, and maybe he would be a really good like street-level threat for all of the like children kids. And I, I think, you know... Kate Bishop, Miss Marvel, Ironheart, you throw the hood in any of those properties, if you were to maybe do a Young Avengers or Champions thing and you get Alden, in there is like the film like getting all like these low-budget mobsters and gang and assassin guys to go after them while he immaculates his power, that could be pretty interesting. I like it though, Alden is a name, I've been waiting to see where he's going to land, where he's going to go next, I think he's an Oppenheimer, which is a big get too, and he's appearing in another film by a famous director that I can't for the life of me remember, but I really like him. I hope he finds something good because he deserves it. He really deserves it. Solo is such a good performance. He deserves better. And and this is kind of like off topic, but one of the things I really love recently is that interview of Harrison Ford, where he told Chris Pratt, if you come for Indiana Jones... I'm going to kill myself with it. Like, it wasn't like those words, but it's like, if you even think about touching that character, you're dead, babe. Like, I'm going to freaking kill you. But Alden touches Han. He's like, this kid's great. Look at him play this dude. I love it. Oh, it's great. Harrison Ford continues to be a fascinating guy. I love that. Just like, I don't give a shit about Han Solo. This cool guy can play it. But if Chris Pratt thinks he's touching Indiana Jones, I will put him in the ground with me. I love it. That's amazing. We got another trailer to talk about too. This is for the third season of Stargirl. And it's returning August 31st. I'm I think I'm gonna be doing reviews for this one. I've done reviews for the first two seasons. If the numbers pick up, we'll do it at least, because the numbers for season two kind of dwindled out towards the end, but we'll see what happens. I don't know how I feel about this trailer. First off, it is very much the same, which is fine. I, I I'm fine with these kids being where they are, doing what they're doing. The big point of contention for me, and I think it's going to be this whole season, is Joel McHale, and I kind of said this last season too. He is himself, and that is not somebody who convincingly plays the lead of a Justice Society or an actual positive hero. If you were to put him as a Guy Gardner or an Eric O'Grady, one of those real smarmy douchebag types, I could buy it. But if you want to tell me he's he wants to be like this this like chivalrous hero, I can't buy it. His acting chops don't go that far. Joel is a guy who is in his lane, and that's where he should stay. I'm not sold on what he's been doing with Starman yet, but I'm excited to see where the season goes. We got the director Bones tease last season. We're potentially going to be getting Obsidian this time around, so that's really cool. It looks to be a little bit more of the same, but that could be compelling enough for some people. Personally, I hope it picks up. I hope it eventually finds a better footing than what it's had. But it could still surprise us. And, and I guess that's something I am looking forward to, to seeing what it's going to be. But we'll wait and see. Now, here's something that I am very curious on what it's going to be. I kind of talked about this already. Rob Zombie, a, a guy I don't talk about a lot on this channel, but maybe i maybe also have to start to. Uh, he did a Monsters movie. Who told him to do it? Nobody. I guess he just had the rights somewhere. And he said, I'm going to do it. Well, the trailer dropped. And... We know it's going to be campy, Rob. We know what you're doing. But there's a difference between campy and shitty. You know, campy is something like Elvira, Mistress of the Dark or Sharknado, where it's just really camp and we're in on the joke. I think this looks just bad. It's like poorly lit. It is just this weird like record scratch sound effects that I don't think is going to hold up. And here's another thing, too. Netflix bought it. Netflix bought this from Peacock and NBC because w- <laughs> I love this idea because it's so fascinating to me that they were gearing up for the release of this monster things like it's gonna be a big thing on Peacock. They saw the online reaction like, "Who the fuck let Rob Zombie do this?" And suddenly they're like, "Oh shit." This is a bad idea. <laughs> we should move away. Give it to Netflix. They're like, "Well, we'll take anything. We'll dump and pump anything, baby." We need content, and if we didn't produce this thing, it's going to cost us less to take it from you anyway. So that's brilliant. I can't wait to talk about this movie. I feel like it's going to be either exactly my shit or so far removed from what I think it should be that's going to be interesting but the trailer itself not very good it's going to be a very interesting one to talk about and i cannot wait to get into that when the time comes speaking of things i cannot wait to see what comes from this netflix i was going to say netflix nintendo pictures question mark so there is a mario movie that is maybe still in development maybe still happening from illumination But Nintendo just filed like a big, I guess, copyright claim for Nintendo Pictures, which is this idea that maybe they're going to be getting into the film game, which I like that a lot. And this could be, again, I kind of did a video, one of the earliest, it might be the second or third episode of the Geek Wave I have ever done, where I talked about a Smash Bros. cinematic universe. But in all honesty, this is a no brainer. Like, the success of Sonic has proven that. I think Halo has proven that, too. PlayStation has their own production company for this stuff now. Like, they are actively pursuing this. Nintendo makes sense because you have child-friendly stories to tell. Pokemon Detective Pikachu was well-received by certain people. I don't think it's a bad film. It's just interesting. It makes sense to go into the realm of film. It really does. And I think however the illumination thing is going... It's going to be the, the calling card to be like, oh, we actually, it's easier if we do this in-house as opposed to having it branched out to somebody who has more control than we'd like to give them. And that leads me to one of two things. It leads me to think that the Mario movie is really weird and Nintendo isn't happy with it. It also leads me to think it's going well that they want to finally jump the gun and do Donkey Kong and Star Fox and Kirby and a Pokemon thing again, and Legend of Zelda and Metroid. Metroid, please do a Metroid film. Do I, I, is Fire Emblem exclusive to them? I don't even know what's exclusive anymore. You know what would be really cool is like trying to reboot Game and Watch as a TV show or something. That would be sick. Maybe, maybe we have to come back and talk about this news again. I think we will actually. That is exciting. I'd have to look at all like Nintendo owned properties and we'll we'll make movies based on them. That is coming very soon. I think we'll be talking about that one sooner than later. Awesome. I cannot wait to see that maybe they'll actually let Char- Charles Monet Cabinet whatever his name is, the voice of Mario actually be Mario. That could be really exciting to see. We got one more piece of news to talk about. That is the official title for the the boys spin-off and I look, it's hard for me to like judge something based on a title because titles are hard. It's either so exactly what it, the story needs it to be, or it's the title of the character. It's a line from the film. But I can, I will say this safely and without, without a shred of irony, I will say this. The title for the boys' spinoff is probably the greatest title I've ever heard for a show like this. The title is perfectly self-aware, parodying its own existence about the times we live in, And sticks to the mythos of the world it's a part of. That's a lot of claim I'm giving this title. I haven't even said it yet. Gen V. It's that simple. It is that simple. But yeah, that is a title you'd hear for a show about a school for a certain generation of people. It sounds like it's making fun of Gen Z. But it's all about kids with compound V. I love that title. I think it's brilliant. I really think whoever came up with that title deserves a raise deserves all the credit in the world because that is funny. That is smart. That is cool. I cannot wait to see what that's going to be. That title alone gets me so pumped for this show more so than any other reveal or any other person that could be appearing in it. That's awesome. That is so cool. So we will damn well be talking about Gen V when that comes out. That sounds like it's going to be super fun and super interesting. What a great title. What a creative way to bring the boys world back into prominence. Not that it went away. It's kind of cool to think that the boys is still having its renaissance, you know, where it's like, this is still finding new audiences. So it hasn't felt creatively bankrupt yet to the point where if they announce a spinoff with a younger cast in the world of a school of superheroes, my immediate reaction is something like, oh, they're trying to do a supernatural Harry Potter bullshit thing. It's like, oh, yeah. Think of what what they could tell about this generation of kids based on how they're parodying politics in current The Boys. That's brilliant. I cannot wait to see what that's going to be. So Gen V, it might be my most anticipated superhero project right now coming to television. I can't think of anything else that's really getting me like, oh, this is going to be cool. Sandman a little bit, but I'm so worried about Sandman. You have no idea how nervous I am for Sandman that scares me so much, but it might be Gen V. So that's really cool. And that is all the news we have. So we're going to come back from a break. And when we get back on the other side of that ad, not an ad, I don't know why I said ad, we'll be talking the world of Marvel Netflix and how that happened. (laughs) Oh, man. So let's go back a couple, almost a decade now. Holy shit. It's been a long time. Let's go back to the year 2015 when Daredevil Season 1 debuted. Can you believe it's been that long already? It's been seven years since the first one of these debuted. That's amazing. Actually, you know, scratch that. Let's go back even further to the day they announced this. Can I remember the specific date they announced they were doing this? No, I can't. All I remember is, I, I, I remember the day it happened, I was still in high school, if you want to get a sense of how old I am in 2014, 2013 era, I remember, I think it would be 2014 actually, I remember just sitting, I guess we were in the, in the computer room, yeah, well it was the, the lab, they called it the computer lab, I don't know what people call it other ways in the world, and I, I wasn't doing the work because so I don't give a shit. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to go to my local Hollywood reporter and just look up some stuff because that's what I like to do instead of actually giving a shit about school. And that's why I'm doing this today, probably. And I remember just reading like Netflix require, Netflix acquires Marvel characters, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist leading to crossover franchise. Depend- I think it was like existing in the MCU or some shit like that. I just remember like, Oh, shit. Yeah, that's a great idea. Because let's not forget in 2014 to 2015, there was only Netflix, babe. Nobody else was playing this game. Nobody else said like, yeah, streaming service. Yet we were just all waiting to see what's going to happen. It was the early conception of what Netflix has become. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? what this is like unrelated, but it's so weird to me that there's an entire generation that just knows streaming services. that is so bizarre to me because I remember I remember the times before we had these it, it was like more peaceful if I'm being honest. but it's like I, I just remember like, oh my goodness, I loved all of those characters. Like, this is something I don't really get to talk about this enough because none of these characters really have ongoing books except for Daredevil. And I have nothing new to say about the Daredevil comics because they're all freaking great. But Matt Murdock, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Danny Rand, those are some of my favorite characters in Marvel. I love all of those characters. I love them before these Netflix shows. I love them after. I love them during. I love those characters. So, they're getting their own 13 episode TV shows on a streaming service that I can watch all at once and just gobble up and enjoy. I was so excited. And then as they went on, it's like they're leading into Defenders. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I don't really consider any of those characters really Defenders, but okay, that's something. I was just so excited. And I was like, I can't wait to see what's going to happen there. In particular, and we'll get to this a bit throughout the video. In particular, Iron Fist was the one that excited me because I've said this a lot and I'm going to reiterate it here as we go through this, this video. Danny Rand is one of my favorite characters in Marvel Comics. He's the character I relate to the most and I, I think he's the one that I am actively trying to be like and I think just the idea that he was getting a TV show I think just rocked my world in ways I wasn't expecting. I was just so bloody excited for that idea. And I was just genuinely curious, like, how are people going to respond to this? Are these characters popular enough to get their own TV show? Because that was the thing at the time. Daredevil had a pretty bad movie in 2003. And then you had these street-level characters that nobody really knew. So you'd have to be like, yeah, okay, it kind of makes sense that these characters would go to streaming. Could they sustain themselves in a movie? I mean, yes, they could. Now they could, absolutely. But I completely understand in 2015 how you'd look at a character like Luke Cage or Jessica Jones and be like, this is still a little too much for some people. Maybe we should pull it back and put them on streaming. I get that. I get that. And I really think these started off so strong. And then as the stories progressed, you just felt the story crumble a little bit. And I I do believe part of that is just like, they weren't really connected to the Marvel Cinematic Universe And part of that was just like, you felt the burn with 13 episodes all at once that didn't really need to be 13 episodes, and Defenders was an absolute nightmare. And that kind of just, I think, killed the brand for a minute, except for a couple things so overall like just the initial excitement for these you can feel it you remember it you're just like they're doing a daredevil tv show he is such a great character he is his own mythology i love it so much jessica jones she's so cool that's awesome Luke Cage and iron fist like yes let's do it that's really good it's really cool and then suddenly you get them and then you just have to let it fizzle out a bit and that's okay that's okay it happens so let's talk about each and every season in chronological order of release because I wanted to kind of like dive into well, did it work, what didn't work, why I think it's revered now, why I don't think it's revered now at all, and of course we have to start with Daredevil season one which came out in 2015. That is still insane to me. I, I think we should state this right now and it's one of the most important things to state. I have a list in my head of what I consider to be the best live-action depictions of a comic book on screen. I think of, I don't know if I'd say all time, but in terms of this like television, the modern television, I have a list of what I think are like the best depictions of live-action comic books. Doom Patrol is number one on the list, and then it's Daredevil. Daredevil is brilliant. This show, I think more than any other ones, and there's ones that I actually like more than Daredevil, but I think Daredevil perfectly understood what this character represents how you make this character act and behave and tell that story they nailed it and that is that is amazing to me and the the thing is like you have these characters like Batman and Spider-Man and Superman that have these huge steeped ideas baked in the story so each iteration of the character you kind of have to do the parents get shot he crashes on earth all that kind of stuff you have to do those Daredevil's on that list too. Daredevil is kind of just such his own mythology where you could tell that story completely separate from any other character in the Marvel Universe, but his story works so good in the Marvel Universe because he's pretty much contradictory to everything else. This is a weird thing to say, but I really think Daredevil is kind of a DC-like character. He's kind of just like above everything going on and he's so steeped in this idea of this certain ideology that it feels like he would fit into anywhere you put him and I really like that. And I think what this story nailed better than any other show and any other interpretation of this character is just how to balance the worlds because it did it so well. Because it deals with the law and the lawyer side of Matt Murdock so perfectly it deals with the catholic guilt and the and this like the catharsis of becoming the devil of hell's kitchen it deals with the violence he feels and the anger he feels and the regret that matt feels it makes matt a conflicted character at every moment and that is the most important part i think about daredevil as a character he is conflicted He thinks he's making the right choice even if it might be the wrong one or he knows he's making the wrong one and he feels bad he cannot make the right one. That is one of the key fundamentals of this character. He is going to make the choice whether or not it's good. He has to do what he has to do for the sake of himself and the people he's trying to help. That is such an interesting character beat and something that was so overlooked in the Ben Affleck movie. And I actually like some of that stuff but I really love what this one did because it it just let you understand this character. It didn't have to take itself too silly or seriously. It was just he's conflicted. The show is going to have that atmosphere. It's dark. It is brooding. But it's poetry. Daredevil is like a fable. It is like a poem. You're seeing this man dealing with this stuff. The Catholic ridden schoolboy becomes the devil to protect people. Like it's literally just an antithesis of his own existence. And I, I really, really like that. And then you get, honestly, one of the best castings ever in Charlie Cox, but the casting for Foggy and Karen and Phil, it's brilliant. And you're just like, those are such subtle performances that could easily be overlooked, but you actually are giving a true, genuine Foggy performance, a true, genuine Karen performance, letting those characters breathe and be fun and have interesting retrospectives and performances to give. That is so cool. That is just so cool. I really like that. And of course... Vincent D'Onofrio as Wilson Fisk, and and I, I what I really like about Daredevil too is like it's not just Matt's story we're seeing the contradiction of the contradictions and the conflictions in his mind. It's Wilson Fisk, and some of the better writers know how to balance those two: the man from the streets and the man in the high castle. Like just completely flipping the switch on what is right and what is wrong for each of those guys as they're doing their mission, and how maybe they're they're on the same path, but they're going to oppose and conflict heads. And you don't see that better than in this show, where it's just the perfectly written Kingpin and the perfectly written Daredevil suddenly butting heads and conflicting into each other. It is really brilliant. And this first season, I don't know if it's the best, but I think it's just perfectly sets up the atmosphere of what this show is going to be. It's dark. It's intense. It doesn't try to make jokes. Matt is a character who is silly, but he is dark and scared and intense. And I think... When it plays into that here, it's really strong. I really, really like this one. This first season, that was the tone we're going into. It's like, oh, this isn't the MCU bullshit we've seen before, because at this time, we're coming into Ant Man. And I think we're like a little bit before Age of Ultron coming out, too. So it's like, yeah, this is so different. And it's really cool and really intense. And then later that year, too, in November, we have Jessica Jones season one. And here's the thing. Here's the thing I'm going to make very apparent for everyone. Jessica Jones, season one, is my favorite of all these shows. The first season. I have issues with some of the other ones. This is brilliant. Jessica Jones is up there with Sue Storm and Janet Van Dyne as my favorite female character in Marvel. I think if they really want to push Jessica right, she could become their Wonder Woman. And they just they're really scared to have that kind of a story be told because Jessica is a very modern character, not just in terms of her own continuity and existing in the Marvel universe and when she was like released when her book was released, but just in terms of like she's a survivor of a certain incident. She has this certain energy about her that is this kind of like activist, cold, brooding energy. And she just represents all the best sides of the universe. She can really just like chameleon her way into any kind of team or setting. And still be the voice of reason in this really interesting way. I really love Jessica Jones. I have read every single book of Jessica. It's a character I am really interested in. And Kristen Ritter gives a stellar performance. Like, is it like how I depict Jessica Jones when I read her? Not really. It's not the voice, but the mannerisms are there. The energy is there. It is just so good. I really like Kristen Ritter. I think as an actress, jessica jones maybe go back and watch all her other stuff and yes i know breaking bad of course i've seen breaking bad but don't trust the bean apartment 23 where she plays the exact opposite of jessica jones oh it's fantastic this show like making this the central figure and yeah they do shy away from saying like certain explicit things about the relationship with her and kilgrave but i just love the haunting tensions that she feels in every scene where she feels burdened by like helping others and everything that she does feels like it's exhausting because that's what this, the early interpretations of this character should be. And I really dig that. I just like how it's just quietly building its own story into something special. And we have to talk about David Tennant as Kilgrave. Because that character is so hard to do because you are going to make him despicable no matter what. It's not a character like Loki where you can't have fun and playful with it. You have to make Kilgrave the worst because he's a serial rapist. You can't try to make him friendly or cool or interesting, but you get David Tennant, who's a guy that a lot of people like, and let him just be the worst dude you've ever seen in your life. I really love what that did, and yeah, there was some just weird stuff where she's she's friends of Patsy Walker for some reason, and Nuke showed up for a bit. It's, but like, yeah, it's just set dressing to let her really delve into the story. It's a detective story, a PI story. She's just such a compelling character, and this first season had the the complete tonal shift from Daredevil. It's like this dark, afflicted character, but she's doing that too in this whole different setting. And you're like, you can really buy how these characters would come together and how they would react. I really like that. It's so brilliant. The first season of Jessica Jones is, in my opinion, some of the best stuff they've done. It is It is my favorite of all of these. I will say that right now, the first season is my favorite if any character I, I want them all to come back because I think that's very important if you're going to do it at all if any of them come back it better be Kristen Ritter because I can't picture anybody else doing this role as well as she did because just she just underplayed it so much and that is the key so many young actresses would want to overact in the scenes where it's very this sarcastic drawl but it's not sarcasm she just doesn't give a shit she's just like okay that's stupid can we move on now that's like early Jessica, I should say, is like that. I like that. And then we come to March 2016. That's still a long time ago, too. Oh my goodness. That is so long ago. Daredevil Season 2. I I like Daredevil Season 2. It's got a lot of good stuff going for it. It's really expanding the story. First off, like we, we gotta talk about Elodie Young's Electra. Just what great casting. Oh my goodness. Her playing off Charlie is so fantastic. I love their dynamic and their relationship and that's how you use Elektra. I'm sorry. There are rumors going around that she's going to be recast. You cannot recast Elodie because she was just the perfect performance for that character. And to kind of like have him on like a certain mission to help the Punisher, John Barenthal, is amazing. I haven't even talked about like the action sequences in any of these things and of course the Daredevil one's got the continuous takes in the hallway scene, in the prison scene. It's self-explanatory how good those are they're just brilliant and really well done but i i commend the casting director for all of these films or all of these series i should say for just nailing it on all of them i will stand by all of them john burnthal such a good get because he he gets it too he understands he's not a guy you're supposed to look up to you're not supposed to worship the Punisher. He's just a monster and I really dug that. Of course, the rooftop scene where the two of them are arguing will go down in infamy as one of the best things to ever come out of any superhero story ever. It's just two clashing ideologies, the man who's a one one like a one-man army crashing into the world, breaking everything in his path and the angel brought down to protect him and stop him from being a monster. How is that happening in the Daredevil show while well, he's dealing with the ex-girlfriend and the Hand showing up? That is brilliant. That is so cool. It's so smart. Then we come to September 2016. Again, that is so long ago. I cannot believe that. It feels like these shows just came out the other day, honestly. And we get Luke Cage season one. Now look, out of all of these characters, Luke is probably the one I am not the fan of. But I support any attempt Marvel or any creator does to put Luke Cage in the prominence. This is the other thing I've been saying, if you really want like a central figure that could be your political character, it should be Luke Cage. If we can't do it with Black Panther anymore, if because say what you will about Wakanda forever, that's not out yet, but I don't know if you can have the impact that did with Shuri and Okoye, but if you want that political character, because clearly it's not Sam, it can't. it could be Sam Wilson, but it's not, it's Luke. Luke is your guy who's going to call you out on the bullshit. He's going to look at the world and just be like, this is stupid. You're all dumb for this. He is the voice of the people. He should be the voice of the people. And that's the thing I really like about this show. It's just a gang war in Harlem. There's opposing sides fighting each other. Mahershala Ali shows up to do some really, really good work as Cottonmouth. It is so cool. And then you're just watching and this guy's just like, well, nobody's going to protect Harlem I have the ability to do so. I'm just dealing with the death of my wife still. But screw it. I guess I'm going to have to be the guy to step up. And I really, really like Mike Coulter's performance. It is, again, it's like the Kristen Ritter thing and the Charlie Cox thing, actually, where it's just like it's so quiet and underplayed as it should be. Luke's going to give you like the side eye when you shoot him and the bullets don't do anything. He's not going to make a quip. He's just going to be like, you done? It's, it's great. He is so good. And he really didn't get the, he really didn't get the treatment he deserved. And that's the thing too, where it's like, you have a really strong first season of all of these shows. And then suddenly, you have the one that kind of breaks the mold and ruins its own existence a little bit. In March of 2017, when the release of Iron Fist comes out. And, and look, I, I could still remember the day. I think it was March seventeenth, twenty seventeen, or something like that. I remember the day I I slept in. I could I like slept the whole day before this came out because I'm like I this is my guy. I am staying up when it drops at one o'clock here in Canada, and I am binging all thirteen episodes at once. And I did, and I will say this: it was a bad idea. I also will say this: I am in defense of this show more than other people is it bad yes it's really bad i'd say it's as bad as hawkeye but the thing is it just had too much working against it because that's the thing like the people involved in this story clearly didn't want to do the martial arts or like the actual asian mysticism side of things for this character so what are you left with the entire story of Danny Rand is the fish out of water. It is the contradictory statement of the white man being the prophesized iron fist of these people protecting this Asian community. His entire existence, just like Daredevil and Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, is a contradictory statement. He shouldn't be the savior. He shouldn't be the top dog. But he is. And he achieves that in a more like suave nature, a little more Errol Flynn in that style, where he's a little more happy and contentious than other people. But they really, they really didn't write it that way. And they're just like, what about corporate sabotage? And this guy comes back and he's fighting these ancient bullshit things. And it's like, why are you doing that? Why is that the angle you want to play for this? There is stuff I really like about this show. I like when they do actually leave New York and head overseas. They get into some really interesting fight scenes. I like Colleen Wing. I think she's a good addition for this show, but... I don't know I I really think we should have played up that Danny and Misty connection more because putting Misty in Luke Cage it makes sense but Danny and Colleen I don't know it's just too much of the same character and that could be a problem but let's let's just talk a little bit about Finn Jones as Danny Rand because this is the other big point of contention for a lot of people did he do a good job here's what I have to say about that everything finn jones was told to do he did perfectly i have seen this guy act better in things like game of thrones and dickinson i know he has the ability to make this character believably good his performance in dickinson is kind of what i want danny to be this real this really like suave guy who has all the money but he's like no nah, man I'm boots on the ground look at this like i'm just gonna go out and do the right stuff i'm gonna get you to write your stories emily you just gotta put him out in the world I like that performance, and I know he can act, but they just told him to do nothing of interest, and the thing is, if they recast him, I will be let down, and I will do an entire video. I want to. I really want to do an entire video talking about the character of Danny Rand and this show and everything. That's going to require a little bit more research from me, but I think he can pull it off, and I want to see them let him have the opportunity. Because I'm sorry, you just can't get Kristen and Mike and Charlie back and not Finn. That's not fair. He deserves the shot as the same as they do. And this first season, it's messy, it's clunky, it's overextended, and the action is terrible for your martial arts based character, and his mysticism elements aren't even played upright he deserves another chance. He doesn't even wear the mask. The other ones, I can get behind it. Daredevil eventually gets his suit in the second season. Put the mask on, Finn. Is that the problem? I don't think, I don't want to say Finn's the problem because I genuinely don't know. But if we find out that he was, well then, okay. We can move on from that. But later that year, a couple months later, we move over to The Defenders, which is the limited series that was eight episodes, as it should be. All of these shows should have been eight episodes because none of them needed to be 13 episodes. But it's 2015. We want them to be 13 because that's how shows behave. Eventually, they'd become eight to 10. This was a train wreck and it kind of killed the franchise for a lot of people. I remember just being like, oh, this is really nothing. Sigourney Weaver works for the hand. She's old. There's a dragon under the city. None of it matters and it was just kind of boring and we just all moved on like it never happened and that's what i'm going to do too teaming up danny rand and luke cage should be exciting why did they make danny the little kid who's a dumbass? i don't understand that it was a dumb choice what was a smart choice is november of 2017 we released the first season of the punisher which i would argue next to daredevil is the second most consistent show this was just Punisher, man. Like, that is it. They got it right. They nailed every aspect of the character. They got Jigsaw perfectly. They got Microchip perfectly. They played him up in a beautiful world against these really talented actors. And it was just really well done. And I like the idea of having Karen in there because you built that relationship up in Daredevil. It was really well done. And Bernthal just knocks it out of the park, just a force of nature, a really unlikable dick just being a piece of shit. I love that. He did great. He did fantastic. And then it's March of 2018. That's pretty recent, actually. And we have Jessica Jones season two. And yeah, man, this one kind of missed the mark. It it didn't really find itself. It, It kind of like just didn't become much of anything it's very forgettable sadly which is that's the sad part too it's like you can barely remember what happened in this one she meets a guy that she likes and maybe Patsy wanted to become Hellcat so that that sucked and then in June of 2018 yeah June of 2018 Luke Cage season two which I didn't watch because it wasn't interesting and it was all about Bushmaster and It's like, yeah, okay. But they did have some really good stuff I have seen with Danny Rand and Iron Fist, which begs the question, why didn't they just do a Heroes for Hire show to begin with? And here's the other thing. Just let Finn and Mike come back for a six-episode mini where they're the Heroes for Hire. You can have Misty and Colleen show up and spin off Daughters of the Dragon, and we can all be happy. So yeah, Luke Cage Season 2, I'm sure people liked it. Iron Fist got a second season also in 2018, and nobody watched it because the franchise was over and we were canceling these things before they came out. He put the suit on for a minute, he had the mask on, and that's the thing. And then we got season three of Daredevil in October, which is like, wow, those came out really soon, didn't they? This one is the best season of the show. This, is, this was the finale I wanted. If we never saw this character again, I am happy with it. Because it's a really good finale where it's the resurrection of both the Kingpin and Daredevil coming back to defend the city they both want to claim. I love the last fight scene between the Kingpin and Daredevil and Bullseye in a sense. It was so intense and beautiful. And just the way that he's... Matt's going to kill him, but he doesn't. I really like the way that's going to... I love the way that was played up. Such a strong story. Sadly, it was cancelled. But on to bigger and better things supposedly the Punisher season two didn't watch it 2019 that was really recent three years really it's been that long like that's cool I like that and then Jessica Jones somehow got a season three who's to say how that happened but it did she got her third season And nobody watched it and it was unceremoniously canceled because it was in that era where you're like, oh, they just canceled Iron Fist and Luke Cage and Punisher and Daredevil. They still have this one to drop. What are they going to do with it? They're just going to dump it and cancel it. So in 2019, we got the last of these things. And that is that's a lot of content for five years. Honestly, you're getting a lot of shows. You're getting at least five other shows and like the big kind of like Avengers level payoff. Three seasons for most of them, two seasons for half of them. That's a lot of content. And unfortunately, it's because there was so much of it and so many other competing factors and we're moving away from the 13 episodes. It did feel like it became nothing. And that's kind of the problem, isn't it? That eventually these just kind of faded away into obscurity and became nothing of interest. But there is stuff to like about them. The castings were all really good. I will stand by that for everybody. The idea to have them fight the hand in the big team-up, that's a good idea. Too bad you made the hand pretty stupid in here. The idea for just not having the characters meet again after that and they just kind of randomly appear in other people's shows, I get it. But you should have had a bigger connection. You should have had them stay kind of like closer as friends in certain things. But I get it. You made choices. They weren't the best ones. I still think there's some good quality stuff in here. Like, Daredevil got the best show he's ever going to get in his life. I don't care what they do with that character. You can't come close to what that did. You had an incredible first season for Luke Cage and Jessica Jones. And I'd say The Punisher. How are you going to top those? I don't know. You tried something with Iron Fist that really wasn't what the character needed to be. That became a problem. And you really missed the mark on that one a little bit. But overall, this era is I don't know if it's actually going to be remembered fondly but it'll be remembered as a time when Marvel was willing to expand their characters out to other people and let them kind of connect them to the main world. But was it really part of the main world? Not really. It was just something that existed and now we'll potentially be seeing all of them or some of them returning in various things. So let's look at the list again and we'll see where they're going to pop up or I think they should pop up. We already know Matt Murdock popped up in No Way Home. Kingpin popped up in Hawkeye for some stupid reason. Jessica Jones, she could pop up in She-Hulk. I guess that would make sense. The rumor has it she'll be in Echo with Matt and the Kingpin. So cool, that's kind of fun. Elektra should appear in whatever the next Daredevil property is going to be. It should be a Young. If it's not, that's dumb. I would love to see the Punisher return in something so stupid. If, If you wanted my dream pitch... I would love the Thunderbolts movie to be them after the Punisher. And you just see, like, we can't control the superheroes, but this guy is becoming a national threat. We have to take him down, send in our stupid Captain America and his ragtag group of idiots. That'd be cool. Luke Cage, I just want a Heroes for Hire thing. If you want to do Danny and Luke again, Heroes for Hire, Colleen and Misty in that show leading into Daughters of the Dragon. But if you aren't going to do that, Here's where you put Luke. You put him in Ironheart and she kind of like starts to listen to... I I could see it a couple of ways. He should be with Jessica in in the MCU. You could have him in Ironheart or Armor Wars. I actually would... I'm going to change it from Ironheart. I'm going to say you put him in Armor Wars as somebody Rhodey hires to kind of like protect the tech. And he's like, yeah, brother, I'll help you no matter what. And then that's how you build up his story. And if you're going to do... Another Iron Fist story, I've been saying for a long time, the sequel to Shang-Chi should be Shang-Chi in the Seven Cities of Heaven, and you can have Kun Lung show up in there as one of the other mystical cities. You also get people like Fat Cobra, Bride of Nine Spiders, do all that kind of stuff. That's where those characters should show up. Defenders should just become, look, we're introducing Namor, we got a Hulk showing up and a Doctor Strange, that's what the Defenders should become. Uh, We don't need to do Killgrave again or any of like Cottonmouth and that because he's Blade and all that. But Steel Serpent, yeah, throw Steel Serpent in that thing with Shang-Chi. And Bullseye, you know where to put Bullseye, just in anything going on. Have him to be a force of nature. It works. And Hellcat, sure, if you're doing a West Coast Avengers or something stupid, shove her in there. I don't care. Do it, man. But if I had to rate all of these shows, I would say number one for me is Jessica Jones. Number two is Daredevil number three is Punisher, number four is Luke Cage, number five is Iron Fist, and then Defenders. But that's just mine. I'd understand if other people have different opinions. I will support your opinions and whatever you think. Thus is the conclusion of our Netflix Marvel talk. Stay tuned next week when we talk about SDCC and maybe see Cox appear again. Who's, who's to say? But recommendations for this episode is to watch all of these on Disney+. Plus. I think they're all good, and if you want comic book recommendations, Zadarski is doing a fantastic job on Daredevil right now. We have currently a mini-series from Gail Simone called The Variant, starring Jessica Jones. The Punisher by Jason Aaron is incredible, you can check that one out. Luke Cage is not really appearing in anything, except as a supporting character in the currently Alyssa Wong-written Iron Fist book, which is not about Danny Rand, but about Ling Lai, who is the sword master who takes up the mantle after the sword fuses into his body. And the Defenders, well, I guess they had a miniseries by Al Ewing. So read those. If not, watch these shows again. There's something to like about all of them. I think this era was interesting, to say the least. So thank you guys for watching this episode of The Geek Wave. Be sure to like and subscribe to the channel. As always, you can check me out on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. And as always, I will catch you in the next one. Have fun. Stay safe. Good luck.